And we looked at how Joseph and Mary did that and brought Jesus to the temple and how that was very significant. This was Jesus coming into his house. The temple was his house. It represented him. It uh, pictures him. And it was a place where his work would happen. And it'll be the place where his throne will be in the future kingdom. So in the previous verses, Joseph and Mary had brought him in and given the offering that they were to give to the Lord, thanking the Lord for the child that had been given to them. And we can, we talked about how in the Christmas season, we need to be thankful that this child, the child has been given to us. Jesus was given to the whole world. He was given to us as our Savior. And that's what Christmas is about every year is thanking God for that gift. While they were still there at the temple, something then happened next. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Verse 25, a man comes up to them and says, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. I like to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. There was this elderly man in Jerusalem who was walking with God. And God revealed things to him. And he told, God revealed to him one day, Simeon, you're not going to die before you see the Messiah, the Lord's Christ, come. And then one day, Simeon was moved to go to the temple. He was... God spoke to him in his heart and said, go to the temple. You need to go to the temple and see something there. And he went and then he saw the baby Jesus and he realized this was the fulfillment of the promise God had given to him that he was seeing the Lord's Christ. This baby was the Christ. He was the Son of God and Simeon was looking at him. He did not die before his eyes saw the Lord's Christ. Notice though, what was the result in Simeon's heart? Simeon said in verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Peace is a prominent declaration in the birth event of Jesus and in all of the ministry of Jesus. But in his birth event, Many times it's proclaimed about that peace has come. And Simeon here experiences that in coming close to the baby Jesus. And he takes him up in his arms and he's, as he's looking at him, he says, now your servant can depart in peace. Simeon experienced peace in the temple as he came in contact with Jesus. 
as he got close to Jesus, his heart was filled with peace. Peace is a wonderful thing. It's an awful thing when you don't have peace. The opposite of not having, the opposite of peace is stress and worry and frustration. Peace, though, is a wonderful thing. I think we might could describe it as just a calm confidence in life. In life now and in the future, you're just at peace. You're calm and you're confident things are okay. And Simeon had that. He had a calm confidence. He was going to die, but he was peaceful that his time was done, but that he was going to enter into eternal life because he had placed his trust in God's salvation. And now his eyes were now looking at the Savior as a baby, and his trust was in that baby for his eternal life. And he had peace. When you get close to Jesus, there's peace. And in the temple which was the place of Jesus' house. It was His house. It was the place where the sacrifices were made that would picture Jesus' sacrifice. In the temple, the temple was a place of peace. In fact, many times, people, when they got in trouble and they were going to be killed by the authorities, a lot of times in the Old Testament, you'll see this happening. They would run into the temple and hold on to the altar to try to keep the authorities from killing them. Because the temple is supposed to be a place of peace, not killing. And so they would do that because that's what the temple was. It was a place of peace. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't in that scenario. But the temple is a place of peace as Jesus is there. Uh, let's, I want you to notice with me some scriptures that where we see this, and I think this is neat, how God talks about peace over and over. Go back with me to the Old Testament book of Haggai, which is going to be about the third or fourth book from the end of the Old Testament. It's easy to miss because it's only three chapters long. Haggai was a prophet who, at the time when Israel was rebuilding the temple because it had been destroyed in the captivity, and he's... He prophesied about the rebuilding of the, in the second temple. And now he, he gives the prophecy of when Jesus would come to that temple. Look at verse 6. Haggai chapter 2, verse 6. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more it is a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall, shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. And the earlier statement there was, they shall come to the desire of all nations. That could be translated, the desire of all nations will come. 
Either way, it's a meaning about when Jesus came to the temple and all nations would go to the temple and they would meet God in meeting Jesus. That's what Simeon did. He met God as a human baby. And it filled him with what? Peace. And that's what Haggai prophesied. He said, you're going to build this second temple and there's going to be more glory in it because God Himself's going to come here In the first temple, Solomon was there, king of Israel. But in the second temple, this one that was built, it was smaller, but it said it would be greater glory because the Lord himself would would come there and that it was Jesus. And in that place, God would give peace. Simeon was one fulfillment of that. Simeon came to the temple and he received peace in seeing the Lord uh, Jesus There's another scripture that says this, Zechariah chapter 6, the next book over. Zechariah prophesied at the same time that Haggai did. And he says a similar thing. Chapter 6, verse 12. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch. And that's a reference to Jesus. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. That says Jesus will be a priest and a king, and he will bring the council of peace. That's what Jesus does. He brings us peace, a calm confidence about life and about a future eternity that we know we're going to be with God because we're saved. That's peace. One of the great verses in the New Testament that talk about this is Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace. Being saved, one of the uh, byproducts of being saved is we have peace. And I think that means we have physical peace and we have spiritual peace. Most of all, first is spiritual peace. Peace is that there's no conflict. There's no fighting going on. And spiritual peace is that things are good between us and God. That's most important. That is the primary thing we need. We need things to be okay between us and God. And we have that peace when we are justified by our faith in Jesus. When our sins are forgiven and removed, wiped away from us, then... There's peace between us and God. Without that, what is there? There's there's conflict between us and God. We've sinned against Him. We are in rebellion against Him. And He is holy and just. He must. He can't ignore sin. He must punish it. And punish it, He will. But He does so in much patience and long-suffering and love. And so He offers a way to be saved. A way to be redeemed from sin. 
a way to remove the separation, remove the battle. And Jesus did that in his death on the cross. Let me see if I can find a, a verse real quick that it, it speaks to that. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. And by Him, meaning Jesus, to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. When Jesus died, all of our sins were put on Him, and He paid for them. And then when we receive that payment through repentance and faith in Jesus, we receive that peace, that payment. All the sins removed. The conflict is no longer there. The separation is removed. The sin is removed. And we have peace between us and God. And it came through Jesus' death on the cross. Jesus brings us peace with our Creator. And that is the most important thing we need in life. Because if we... If we're in a war against God, if human beings are in a war against God, that's a losing battle. Nobody can win in a battle against God. Because we're humans. God's supernatural. God made us. He can take away our breath like that if He so chooses. Trying to fight against God is a losing battle. And so this is a wonderful gift we have that Jesus accomplished peace through His cross. And we can have peace with God. We're not fighting God. Now we, our hearts are changed and now we want to obey God. Whereas before we wanted to run away from God and say, I want to do my own thing. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to do what you want to do, God. That, that's, that's restrictive. That is no fun. And an unsaved person looks at the Bible as the worst book in the world. But the saved person looks at it totally different and says, I want to obey what God wants me to do. And that's what's best. That's the pathway of, of blessing. That's the pathway of life how things are going to go well and good and joyful in life. What is that? What's the difference? It's peace. We're not fighting God anymore. Now we realize we need to serve God because He knows what's best. And now we follow God. We follow Jesus. We're not fighting anymore. We're following. So there's a good thought. Which one are you? Are you a fighter? Are you a follower? Jesus gives us peace and we're followers of what is right and good, the path of life. Just like now, you know, in the wintertime, and last night was cold, even though it was better than the last two nights, but it's cold, wintry night. That's a picture of our sinfulness. Creature of the night. But now the sun has come up and it's warm. It's warming, it's light, it's the day. That's the follower of Christ. The fighter of God is the creature of the night. 
living in darkness, coldness. The follower of Christ is a child of the day and of the light. And so the path of peace is to be a follower of Christ, not a fighter against God. There's spiritual peace. That is the, the supernatural peace from God. But following that, then, with, at, we have spiritual peace. Then we can have physical peace. We can have peace in our physical lives. In our hearts first. That Simeon experienced that. He had physical peace. He, he was calm and peaceful even though he was getting ready to die. He had peace in his heart. Peace within ourselves. Peace with ourselves. But then there's a need for peace with each other. And Jesus brings that peace. Because when you're a follower of Christ, He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And here's my command to you. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the other person. Do good to another person. Even your enemies. Love your enemies. And do good for them. See, that's the peace Jesus brings. Jesus brings peace. But if there's two people knocking heads, that's fighting. And the world's full of a lot of fighting. The world doesn't have peace. There's a lot of violence around the world. Killing, stealing and killing. Because there's no peace. They want to just try to get whatever they can get and they don't care who it hurts. And there's even wars between nations right now. And it's probably safe to say that there's probably never been a time on the earth in human history where there wasn't some fighting going on somewhere between some group of people. Some nation group or some tribe of people. Because that's, that's where the human heart is. It doesn't have peace. So it's fighting. It's warring. And, and even the world, the secular world, sings about this or longs for it. It says, oh, that we'd have world peace. The only problem with that is that they are not receiving the way to have that peace. The only way to have it is through Jesus. It's through His kingdom. Coming into His temple, receiving Him. That's where peace is. And that will make us peaceful with our neighbor. But the world fights on and there's wars. And Jesus said there will be wars and rumors of wars even increasingly to the end. It'll get worse and worse. And in fact, Revelation tells us that everything will end in a war. There will be one final battle called the Battle of Armageddon where the Antichrist will gather all of the nations of the world. All nations of the world will send their armies and they will gather in Israel to have one last battle and they are intending to have a battle against Israel to destroy it one final time and they begin to do that and then God sends Jesus to return for that reason 
that the world has amassed a mighty war against Israel, his nation, and he sends Jesus to intervene. That's why the second coming happens. And he comes and he fights that last battle and he removes all enemies of God on the earth. And when he does that, then and only then will there be peace on the earth. It will be fulfilled one day. Man will never achieve peace. You know, they have the United Nations and they try to have peace through their efforts and it never works. Because man can't have peace without God. Only when Jesus comes back the second time and in Him fighting the battle of Armageddon and taking the throne of the world, only then will peace come. But it will come then. Think of the words of the angel and uh, when they spoke to the shepherds that night, they said, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. The end result of Jesus' kingdom will be peace. We read Isaiah 9 earlier, and it said of His kingdom, of His government, and of His peace, there will be no end. And then in Isaiah, it talks about this peace that will come upon the earth. When it says Jesus will come, that He will bring peace on the earth, and the lion will lie down with the lamb, and a baby will play with a cobra. He will bring peace on the earth because He will have removed the curse of sin. And there will truly be peace between one another. There won't be war. During the thousand year reign of Christ on the earth, there will be no more war. Everything will be peaceful. That's what God brings. Peace between each other. Spiritual peace, physical peace. Jesus is the true source of peace. And one day, the world will be made into a place of peace. But only be through Jesus. And so, the one we need, the one the world needs, is Jesus. To come to Him. As Simeon did, take, take the baby Jesus up in His arms as a way of picturing His receiving Him. We need to turn from sin and place our full faith on Jesus and follow Him. And the result will be peace. Calm confidence about life and about the future. That everything is in control under God's plan, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus on the earth. In this place, there will be peace. And that's a wonderful, wonderful part of our Christmas celebration. Well, let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes. And would you think about these truths? Do you have peace in your heart? Many things in life can uh, take away our peace, but the key is we know the source of peace and we draw close to Jesus. He is the source of peace. And when the time comes for our life to end on the earth, we can say like Simeon, Lord, you're letting your servant depart in peace.
if we've trusted on Jesus and if we've served Jesus, we can have peace. And that's a priceless gift worth far more than anything the world has to offer. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us to bring us peace uh, through your forgiveness, through your salvation. And that you're going to fill the whole earth with peace one day. Uh, but until that day comes, our hearts need to be filled with peace. And so may we keep our eyes on you. May we set our hearts fully on you. May we be like Simeon who sought you diligently in his life to see you above all other things. And we'll have that calm confidence about life that only comes from you. Help us to think on these things and be lifted up in these things the rest of this day in our celebration. Rejoicing in the source of it. Sources in you. And you give us everything we need in life. Help uh, us to remember that today and help others, Christians that are celebrating today, may they turn their eyes to Jesus and look to Him as the Lord over everything and the giver of peace, the, one, the thing we need in life. So lead us to the rest of this day. Help us to, to do your will. In Jesus' name we pray.